And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, let it be done as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very hour. Matthew eight thirteen. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Legion of Michael podcast, a podcast for strong, courageous, and faithful men and women, those who are not afraid to speak the truth, to hear the truth, and to understand the truth, whether the truth coincides with the whims and wills of the state or not. All right, excuse me while I clear my throat. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Many of you will be familiar, well, with the story of the centurion and his servant. And this comes to us from the book of Matthew. It's chapter 8, 5 through 13. And when he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering great pain. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. That is Christ said to the centurion, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. And I say to you that many shall come from east and west 
and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom shall be cast into the outer darkness, out into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, let it be done as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very hour. Now, many of you are probably familiar with that. It's a pretty famous story in the Bible, and, and it talks about faith and belief and how someone who was not even a Jew, wasn't even a Hebrew or an Israelite, had more faith than those who should have believed. Now, there's another story in the book of Mark that's very similar, but I don't think it gets as much credit as it should or it doesn't get as much play. And it's about the Syrophoenician woman, and it's in Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through 30, and it goes something like this. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician race, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon having departed. You say, Wow. All right. I don't remember that one. Now, maybe you do remember that one. Maybe you're very, very well read. But in both of these stories, what do we have? Both of these stories in both Matthew and Mark, we had people coming to Christ who were Gentiles, who were non-Jews, non-Israelites, supposedly people who were not of the faith. And yet these people displayed more faith than those who should have those who, uh, well, in their Torah, in their scrolls, uh, their prophets had predicted the coming of Jesus for centuries. And yet when he arrived, they did not believe. But what else do we get from these two stories, that of the centurion and of the Syrophoenician woman? In other trans- I read from the New American Standard Bible, uh, 1977 edition. Now, if you read it, they may say the Greek woman or the Gentile woman, depending upon the the, uh, version of the Bible that you read. But it's the same. She was a Gentile. She was a non-Jew. She was not an Israelite. In both of these situations, people came to Jesus and they asked for a miracle. They prayed for a miracle. They asked him to perform a miracle. And he did so. But he did so without actually going and laying hands upon those who they wished to be healed. 
He used his power, his heavenly divine power, to heal those people, but he healed them based upon the faith of those who made the request. Do we pray to God for miracles and still continue to worry? We've been shown numerous times in the Bible that our prayers must be supported by faith, and these are two perfect examples, the Syrophoenician woman and the centurion. Both of them, by displays of faith, what did the centurion say? He said, I am not worthy for you to come into my house, but just say the word. I know that you are a man under great authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. That's faith. The Syrophoenician woman came to him and he said, now, that's an, it's an interesting story. And what did Christ mean when he said, let the children be satisfied first for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Did he mean actual kids, like little five, six, seven-year-olds running around? Now, actually, if you study, uh, what he meant was the children, meaning the children of Israel, the chosen people. See, he was there, and he said at the very beginning that he was there to call the children of Israel. And But what did they do? He said, I'm going to give the word to the people of Israel, to God's chosen ones, to the Hebrews first, before the dogs, meaning the Gentiles. But she said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. <laughs> and he said, because of your answer, go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She spoke well. Now, as someone who has been the benefactor of literally thousands upon thousands of prayers, I understand the power of faith. Many people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people prayed for me when I needed it most. Some were good friends, some were strangers, but I was the benefactor of that. Now, I'm going to give you another one. This is from Matthew 6. Uh, verse 27, this actually came before the centurion story, but Christ said to his disciples, and which of you by being anxious can add a single cubit to his lifespan? Meaning, why are you worrying? And that is the wonderful thing about being a child of God. When you accept it, when you embrace it, when you understand that God is your father. Now, if your child asked you for something and you responded to the child and said that you would give it to them and you would take care of it, would they continuously worry or do your children have faith in you? I would say that most of you, if you're good parents, uh, your children have faith that you will take care of them. Think about it. Does your little four, five, six-year-old, seven, eight, nine-year-old, do your children wake up every day hoping that you will provide for them, hoping that there will be a roof over their head? Do they worry constantly whether or not there will be food in the cupboard? I hope not. And even if, you know, even if you're a, a person of limited means, what do you take care of first? You take care of the important stuff first. You take care of your children. You make sure, and when, when I've been a young adult, I've been a young parent, 
When you're grow- when you are a young couple and you have little kids, generally those are your salad days. Those are the days that money is is tight. I don't know very many newlywed couples with kids that are flush with cash. Most of them are struggling and beginning. And so what you do is you make decisions and you take care of your children first. There were times in my life when I had to sell things because, well, things you know things need to be taken care of. Electric bills had to be paid, mortgages had to be paid, food needed to be bought. And so as a you know a mother and a father, you make sacrifices so that your kids don't have to worry. Your kids should never have to get up, you know, your kindergartner, five-year-old, six-year-old, they shouldn't wake up in the morning worrying that mommy and daddy haven't put food in the refrigerator. You are a child of God. You should not worry. And he does not want you. See, that is the blessing of our father. He doesn't want us to live a life of worry. He wants us to understand that if we have faith, that he'll take care of us. Numerous times Christ advised us, and he gave us the word. He said, consider the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. How your father takes care of them. The sparrows, they neither neither sow nor reap, and yet they're fed by your father. And the lilies of the field, even Solomon in all his glory, was not arrayed as one of these and yet today they bloom and tomorrow they're cast into the fire are you not more important than they what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. How many times have you prayed to God 
for a miracle, or maybe not a miracle, but just for to help you, to give you assistance. Dear Lord, I need to find a job. Dear Lord, I need we need to find a place to live. Dear Lord, watch over my children. Bless them and keep them safe and keep them in your protection. Now, do you say these prayers and then continue to worry, to be anxious over that? I used to have this issue. I did. I had that issue. I would, um, I would pray genuinely and fervently, and but then my mind would focus continuously on that need, on that desire, on that trouble. And I have, and God gave me a wonderful wife thirty years ago, and she reminded me. She said, "You've got to let it go. You can't pray and then continue to worry, because that." That's not faith. And she was absolutely right, and I was absolutely wrong to worry because, ladies and gentlemen, our prayers are answered by faith. What good is it for you to pray for a miracle and then continue to lean on your own understanding? How often have we mentioned that on this show? Humans, we, we have this tendency to want and desire to lean on our own understanding. We say, well, yeah, yeah, I prayed for that, but now I'm going to go back to worrying. Now I'm going to go back to fretting. Now I'm going to go back to being anxious about that and focusing on it. And, and Christ said to us, which of you, by being anxious, can add one single cubit to his lifespan? And if you look at the new and revised version, it says, how many of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to your life? And we know that we can't. We cannot worry ourselves into a longer life. And that is the wonderful thing about being a child of God and accepting and being hum- and accepting that and being humble. You see, humans have this tendency to want to solve all of our problems, and part of that is through arrogance. Some of it is through just being stubborn. But our God, Jesus said, your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Now, if he knows what you need before you even ask, then stop worrying. Go to your Father, ask humbly, and then stop worrying about it. Well, what if he says no? Well, what if he does? Many, many, many years ago, I remember sitting in a church service, and the pastor uh, up at the on the pulpit, he said that the uh, the title of the sermon was "Sometimes God Says No." Sometimes God says no, and, and he explained that we have to be humble enough. And accept the fact that God knows what is best for us, even though we might stubbornly believe that we do. We come to God and we pray. We say, dear Lord, please let me get this new job. This is the job that I need. This is the job that I want. Please, Lord, give me this new job. Let it happen. And then it doesn't. And you say, but but Lord, I wanted that job. That is what I wanted. I, I thought that's what I needed. I thought that is what was supposed to happen, and, and it, it didn't. Why? <laughs> because God has a plan for you, 
and he knows better than you. And I remember that sermon from, oh man, it's got to be 30 or 40 years ago at least. More than, more than 30 because I was, I was in, still in school. But the, uh, the pastor, he said, look, we need to understand, we need to have enough faith to accept the answer of no. Going back to our children, you know, and, and your household, sometimes your children are going to want to do something and you're going to have to tell them no because you are the one who is supposed to know better. You're the one who's supposed to have the wisdom and the experience. You know, sometimes you have to tell your 9 or 10-year-old no, and they're not going to like it. But hopefully they have enough faith to understand. And, you know, children, children being children, they might complain about it. But as they they grow, they'll realize, they should realize, that you didn't just say no to be mean or, or harsh or whatever. You said no because you had another plan. And sometimes we need to understand that too. So you say, well, what if I have faith? What if I ask and I have faith and I say, Lord, please grant me my prayer. And then he doesn't. But, but I had faith, Paul, and, and, he, and he said no. That's because he's got a different plan for you. Because you, being a human, don't have possession of the bigger picture. Several years ago, there was a job uh, opportunity that was put forward in front of Nancy. And we thought at the time, we thought that that job opportunity was was put forward um, by the favor of God. And we're like, oh, this is, this is, you know, we prayed. We're like, let this happen. And it didn't. God said, no, nope, sorry. And we were both kind of, taken aback and we felt a, bit, a little bit disappointed and she's like I don't we we kind of we did talked and we, we weren't trying to be uh, ungrateful but I said we I said why would God present that opportunity or put that in front of us and then and then take it away of course it turned out that it was for the best because of you know family circumstances if Nancy would have taken that job she would have either had to be apart away from me when I needed her the absolute most, uh, or she would have had to immediately resign the job and, and come back and be with me while I was going through my treatment. So God knew, and we didn't know. I didn't know that that was inside of me. I didn't know that that cancer was inside of me, but he knew. And he said, no, if she takes that job, she'll be traveling and she'll go away, and I, you need her with you. And so the answer was no. And, and it turned out for the best. When we were looking for this, the house that we're currently living in, we weren't even looking here. We were looking somewhere else. We were looking somewhere else for a home, and we were trying to find a home so we could return to Wyoming and, and restart our life after a year of basically uh, of, of struggle. We wanted to get back to our home in Wyoming. And we searched and looked, and we could not find a place where we thought we were going to go. It was Saratoga, where we thought that we wanted to be. And God opened up an opportunity. He opened up a window for us here in encampment in a different city. And we had never, we'd never considered 
moving here. We thought, you know, in our, our human minds, well, we need to go back to where we were. We need to go back to that house where we were. We need, or that city where we were. We couldn't get back into the same house because someone else is living there. And we tried to find a place and, and it was just, the door was closed. But that door was closed, and and God opened another door, and he said, here, call these people. Nancy found the the phone number, the ad she called, and that day they said, okay, come take a look at the house, and if you want it, you can move in. Neither one of us thought or anticipated, and and we, we struggled a little bit. We said, well, do we've never lived there. We never spent much time there. Do we want to go there? Because we had prayed. We're like, Lord, please send us a home. Show us where we need to go. Show us the home that we need to move into. And we thought in our on our minds that it was going to be in Saratoga. But God said, no, I actually have a different plan for you. And he put us here. And now, more than a year later, we sat down and talked and we said, you know, we're much happier. We're much happier in this home, the one that we never anticipated, the one that we weren't even looking for. You see, we weren't looking for this home. But both of us prayed, and we said, Lord, send us to our new home, and we trust you to put us where we need to be, wherever that is. And he put us in a place that was better than we would have been in previously. He put us in a beautiful home in a beautiful area even though this wasn't what we were looking for. Because we handed it to him and let it go, genuinely. And that is the hardest thing for us to do as humans. Because we want to be in control. But we've got to park that. and We have to exercise some humility. Now, I'm not saying to stand there with a shovel in your hand and pray to God for a hole because he gave you a shovel. Start digging. But I'm also saying, based upon what we know, based upon the words of Christ, that you don't need to be anxious. You don't need to worry. And if you're going to pray for miracles, you have to back that prayer up as the centurion did and as the Syrophoenician woman, or the Greek woman, if that's easier for you guys, as they both did, as two, two examples in two different books of the Bible, in two different Gospels, they prayed to the Lord for a miracle, and they had faith, absolute faith, that he had the power to provide that miracle to them. They did not question it. And that is how you need to pray for miracles, and that's not how that is how you need to approach it. You need to go forward and say, Dear Lord, I know that you know better than I, and I pray for your comfort and assistance, protection, healing. And then you need to assure yourself that that will be taken care of. And you say, But what if I drop dead tomorrow? Or what if the person I'm praying for doesn't survive? then God has decided that their journey has ended. If you take two more steps, fall down on the ground and die. God will pick you up and take you home. You need to understand that. Ladies and gentlemen, 
whatever happens, it is his plan. It is our job. It falls upon us to believe, to have the faith, the faith of the Gentiles. Oh, yes, the faith of the centurion, the faith of the Syrophoenician or the Greek woman, to have that faith. When we answer or when we ask our prayers, we need to back them up with faith and understand that God knows what we need better than we do ourselves. All right. Thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Legion of Michael podcast. I hope it has benefited you in some way. I, I pray that you will share this show with other people who need it, that you will leave reviews so that other people can see those and maybe they can be inspired to listen. I'm going to close this as we do because Michael is our perfect example. Michael is the example of the spiritual warrior that we need to be. The warrior's prayer goes like this. Dear Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil, the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.